0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to another episode of the official Redbird Rants podcast. I am your host, Tito Rivera, and I am joined tonight by two of our contributors, Josh
2: McDonald and Trevor Hooth.
1: Josh, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. A little bit better than the team tonight. Yeah,
1: not too great of a start for their series, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Trevor, what's going on?
0: Not a whole lot. I'm just uh, recovering from that Brewers-Nationals game. Yeah, you could say
1: that. Lots of bombs. I think there were eight tonight. (laughs) That's just a little bit uh, insane. Anyway, we've got a good show for you guys tonight. It's going to be a pretty good show. Josh and Trevor are going to be doing some uh, good analysis and commentary tonight. So let's start with it. How sweet it is. Mm and that's the sweep on the Colorado Rockies. Let's talk about some takeaways from the series, some concerns we might have, and uh, I'll ask a follow-up question after that. So, Josh, what are your takeaways from the Rockies series?
2: I mean, the the Memphis mob, the Memphis militia, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're something to behold right now. Paul DeYoung has, in my opinion, cemented his place and on this team going forward, far past this season, whether that's at shortstop or not, the guy can hit. If he could take a walk or two, that'd be great. But he is—he has been fun to watch. Harrison Bader brings an excitement level to this team that you know Magners Sierra had been providing. That speed is speed kills, and it's really fun to see that, especially when uh, it helps you win games. Uh, concerns, though. The bullpen looks shaky at times, but overall pretty solid. And Carlos Martinez uh, got over a five ERA in his last seven starts, I believe. That's that's a little disconcerting going forward from our number one. Thankfully, we pulled off the sweep, and things are things were looking up. I just really wish we could crack that five hundred barrier.
1: Yeah, it seems a little bit of a challenge for the Cardinals right now, and they may not – they probably won't do it tonight. But, Trevor, what were your takeaways from the Rockies series?
0: It's kind of just along the same lines. You talk about what's been happening with the young guys. It almost feels like a, a, a baton passing of sorts because you got all these young guys coming up, and they're, uh, they're performing and showing that they're ready. Uh, you know, we, we got to see Carson Kelly a little bit uh, as well. You've seen uh, Luke Voigt's been a story over the past few weeks, so it's good to see. And again, Paul DeYoung and his and his ability to hit—he actually set a rookie home run record in July um, with eight in the last game of that series, which is—I mean, he's again he cemented himself in that lineup. And of course, the concern is is for me is is Carlos Martinez. I'm really high on him when he's pitching well, but five of his last six starts, he's had a batting average of balls in play over 300 and he's given up seven home runs. So he's not really um, performing the way we want him to. If there is a silver lining to it, he had eight strikeouts in his last start, which is the first time he's had over five in that same six-game span. So,
1: Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit more about Carlos Martinez because I'll tell you what. My takeaways outside of the offense was the starting pitching has actually been pretty good over the last, I would say probably a week. Um, and let's take out uh martinez's performance and then obviously tonight's performance, but the pitching has been pretty good, you know Wainwright was good in Chicago, leak was good in Chicago, and then you have martinez um kind of be mediocre, Josh, if you had to you know rate yours rate the concern level from one to ten on Martinez, what are you looking at?
2: I mean. It's a a three for me. There's a little bit of concern, but at the same time, I mean, I trust Carlos. I don't know how long we can go with the idea that he's growing, he's still getting older and maturing, because some days he goes out there and you can tell in the first inning that he is going to be absolutely dominant. But then there's other games where that first inning he's struggling a little bit and he can't seem to bounce back from it. If Carlos can get his head straight early on, it's going to be a fun day for Cardinals fans, but things can go pretty awry pretty quickly. But if I'm going going into a win-or-lose game at this point, I wouldn't be too upset going with Carlos. I think he has a, a mentality that he's a gamer. He'll go out for those games like that. If it continues, yeah, that's going to go up a little bit, but for now I'm not too concerned about it.
1: Okay, fair enough, Trevor. What do you think on a scale of one to ten? Where is your concern level for Carlos Martinez?
0: Um, I'm probably at about a five, just because he's had such an up and down season that I, I feel uncomfortable going very far either way. Um, he showed in the you know the very first game of the season that he he can pitch in those big games, as Josh was saying. Uh, you know, if you just look at the numbers, it seems like there's been. Uh, some you know control issues, his walks seem to be a little bit up he's been giving up a lot more fly balls than you would want him to, which is what's leading to those home runs um so it, you know it seems like he's probably leaving the ball up in the zone, which is not good um, but again, he seems like he's figuring it out. You look at his last two starts, his ground ball percentage was over sixty, and it had been below fifty for for three starts before that when you're struggling, so it seems like he's starting to come back you know if he if he keeps the ball on the ground hes and he uh, gets the ball low well in the zone, and this is bad. He's the pitcher that we we all want him to be. So, um, you know, I wrote an article a while back about his mechanics. Maybe there's something in there that he's he's adjusting, but it goes back and forth. You want him, to, you want to say you're concerned because he's not pitching that well, but you can't be because he he has a history of of coming back from stretches like this very well.
1: Right, and, and I want to point out a stat for you guys. In the month of June, in five starts, it looked like Carlos Martinez only had, let's see here, nine earned runs. That's pretty good. In July, he's all the way up to 19. That's not the sign of an ace, in my opinion. Five earned runs the first start. Five earned runs the second start. Then he dropped to two and two, and then he gives up five more. And he still wins last night, but that's neither here nor there. My concern level is probably right around a 5-6. Um, and the reason I say that is because we need him to be the best pitcher right now. We can't rely on Wainwright all the time. We can't rely on Leak all the time. You know, Lynn has been pretty good, but for some reason, Carlos Martinez doesn't seem to figure it out. And and Josh, could you explain
2: that? I don't know that anyone can explain Carlos Martinez's uh, mental side, to be honest, um, because I think that's where everything lies for him. He He's a fun guy, but he does not have the – the Chris Carpenter side to him that I think is pretty important when it, for a pitcher. Um, if, he could, if he could spend, like, the offseason with Chris Carpenter, learn how to be a little bit of a bulldog, we might be having a different conversation. I think that he would then be considered probably a top-five pitcher in baseball.
1: So, Trevor, based on Josh's comments, it seems like Martinez may need a little bit more mentoring. Do you think the Cardinals – would kind of feel that way as well, and would consider maybe going out and
0: getting a number one from another team. Depends on how they view their season. You'd think it uh, depends on what the price tag would be too. Um, they might need one. They probably do need one now that you know Wainwright's declining, and and uh, Martinez is is showing that he's not just going to be your consistent ace. Um, you mentioned his win. That was his first win since uh, June sixteenth. So right. it it uh it would seem like they might shop around for one and see, but it, it all depends on cost, what they're comfortable giving away for one, what they think they're going to get in return. Uh, right now, the market is pretty weak for a true number one starting pitcher, uh, if you even would consider one being out there. It depends on your stance on Sonny Gray, I think, or or New Darvish is out there being actively shopped too. But those guys come with a hefty tag, so it, it all depends on – on what mosaic is is thinking and and what he wants to give away,
1: sure, so let's switch gears here, guys, and let's talk about the Cardinals recent play in regards over the last week, including the Cubs and Rockies series. I came out with a piece earlier today saying that it looked like their competitiveness is back now, My question to you guys is, is the sweet more about the Cardinals playing better or the Rockies playing a little bit
0: worse, Trevor? Well, this is something that I, I say on probably every podcast. The young guys that are coming in, they're giving a ton of energy to this team. Uh, you know, I mean, Cardinal fans, we know at Redbird Rants, Memphis is having a great year. And when you bring up those guys, they come up and they perform really well and they're just mm-hmm. injecting their – their youth into the team and they're, they're injecting their, um, you know, their first time in the big. So they want to, they want to play well. And I think that that is going into a lot of the success because the Cardinals have been uh, bringing guys up and down recently and, and trying to find that energy and right combination. It seems like it's been working. So I think the competitive is back and it comes from that youth that's been coming up. So
1: you'd say this series was more about the
0: Cardinals playing better more
1: so more than the Rockies playing a little bit worse. I would, yeah, I do think that. Okay, Josh, what about you?
2: I think the young guys do have an effect on that, just based on who was producing. But I think this team exposed a pretty bad pitching staff uh, over the last couple of days. The the Rockies have a great offense, and we got to see that they they still put up runs on us. But their pitching staff is really bad for a team that's so successful this year. I don't think that they are real contenders until they go out and add another piece, but who knows if they will. I just think that when you're looking at, when you look top to bottom at the Rockies pitching staff, there's not a lot to be impressed with. Uh, Guys were hot at one point. They, they slowed down and now teams like the Cardinals who have been struggling for a while took advantage and hopefully turn that into some confidence going forward. You
0: know, and I, I like gotta you disagree with you right there. Okay,
2: okay, go yeah, ahead. I just
0: wanted. It's 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 hard for me to. I mean, I understand that the uh, the Rockies pitching staff. If you look up and down, and it doesn't really have any true names that that scare you when you see them on the mound. But the, where the Rockies are this year is not. That's probably been carried by their offense, but their pitching staff has been performing well enough to get them there. And you look at you know the Central, the Brewers, who are sitting up top. They they don't really have that really star power either. Um, and that's throughout pretty much their whole team. So I think that uh, the, the Rockies staff has been performing well, whether it be overperforming or not. So I, I would caution to say they exposed a bad pitching staff more than just the pitching staff might have been off that series. That's just my input on it.
1: <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. And and I was going to say this. I find it interesting that that you guys bring up the Rockies pitching staff because the Cardinals pro- arguably did not face their best pitcher in Kyle Freeland. And he pitched over the over the weekend against the Pirates, so he didn't get a chance to, to see the Cardinals. And I, I kind of want to agree with both of you on this. While the rotation is not, you know, the best, it still has been good enough to get them where where they are right now. And I think the Cardinals – just play better. I think the Cardinals really came out after that uh, weekend series in Chicago and started playing a little bit better. And it'll be interesting, like like uh, Josh kind of alluded to, and, and Trevor as well, is whether they carry that over into the Diamondbacks series. And speaking of the Diamondbacks series, let's talk a little bit about about that. Now, obviously, tonight's not off to a good start. I think the cards are still down 4-0, to zero, and I think that's going into the ninth inning here soon. Let's put tonight aside, though, and let's look at the bigger picture here. It's a four-game set. Josh, does anything but a series win mean anything at this point? Or, you know, are you expecting a win, and is that the only outcome that is acceptable?
2: A series win would be great. Uh, a series split also isn't the worst thing in the world. Be, splitting against one of the better teams in the NL isn't gonna isn't gonna kill you. You have you have winnable games coming going forward, but you're at a point in the season where each game is more and more valuable. You're still in the the hunt for the NL Central somehow. Uh, they have to take advantage of games they can win. They can – what would be unacceptable is if they somehow were in position to win these games outside of tonight, of course, But and then somehow blow them, a.k.a. the bullpen, like they did in the Cubs series. That is unacceptable. If you go out and you get beat, that's more understandable than me watching you play – and then you just losing the game yourself. I 100% think when you look back at the Chicago series, that's on them. But if you get beat by a good team, fine, I get it. This might not be the year. But I don't think that they have to win the series. I think a, a split would be perfectly fine. But I'm shooting for for them to take three coming, going forward. It's going to be tough after potentially losing tonight, though.
1: Right, because they also have to face Zach Granke later this series, and also Taiwan Walker, Trevor, what about you? Does a series is the series a series win or a sweep or not a sweep obviously, but a series win the only acceptable outcome at this point, given where the
0: Cardinals are I don't think so. I think the way to look at this is an unacceptable outcome would be getting swept. Um, because you know the Brewers have been on a slide recently. The Cubs are on their way up. The Cardinals are somehow—they're still in. They entered today three and a half games back, so you can't—you can't lose that any of that momentum. You got to take it and and try to pull out at least one or two. Um, one is even probably questionable. So it—it uh, it again is very telling. We uh, the last time they played the Diamondbacks, we talked about about how important that is because the, they are a good team, and of course with the addition of J.D. Martinez. Um, their lineup just got a ton better, so it it it's a, another telling series, but they need to find a way to pull out a few games here just to make sure they're staying in the hunt and staying in a place where they could possibly make a run late in the season, or uh, if one move pushed them to where they need to be, even if it isn't the year, they can at least try to make the playoffs because it is a weak NL Central this year.
1: And here's where I'm going to disagree with both of you, actually, and I'll tell you why. This weekend, the Cubs and the Brewers play each other. This is a perfect opportunity for the Cardinals to gain some ground on both teams, essentially. It may just be one, depending on who wins, but let's say the Brewers win all three games against the Cubs this weekend, and so do the Cardinals. Well, you're talking about a game back, essentially, of everything, Let's say the Cubs win all three games the Brewers lose out. The Cardinals are still going to be about two games out. So you're really looking at a difference of one or two games in the division race heading into the trade deadline. Isn't that something, you know, worth motivation to go out and say, hey, we need to take these next three games and get a series win because we can,
0: we can beat these teams I mean you teams or they know where they are in the division um and I think they they know that this, they know who's playing each other this weekend and and they probably already have that motivation to go out and try to win cuz they do want to make a push for this now that they're back in it um it wasn't too long ago we were talking about how they're out or i was talking about how they're out cuz they weren't playing well so um I think you do make a good point there um and they probably do have that motivation but it's still at a point in the season where if they do um, lose a little bit of ground. It's they're still able to make it up because they are only three and a half games back heading into today. day. They're going to be four and a half for wherever they're going to be, depending on how other teams do. So um, based on the point of the season, I think it's, it's hard to call that except uh, unacceptable uh, in my opinion.
2: Josh, anything you want to add to that? No, I, I have to agree with Trevor. It's, with the way this season's gone I I'm still not even sure what what this team's plan is and I don't think anyone knows until after after Monday because you're not going to know if they're really committed to this season until you see what kind of moves are made or if any moves are made at all if they don't make a move they're clearly not in it this this year because they know they should know that the roster they're putting out right now is going to isn't going to win the central and if they start trading some major league talent, then you know that they're they're looking to to the future. So it's hard to really to really figure out this team to be honest at this point. I don't know that this series is too big of a definition, but it would be really nice to pick up some ground on the Brewers and Cubs as you alluded to. And speaking of trades and Mondays,
1: and Monday, we are going to take our first break, but when we get back the trade deadline's only four days away, guys. That's some pretty important news. So you guys stick with us. We'll be back in a sec. Okay, welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm Tito Rivera. I'm joined by Josh McDonald and Trevor Hoot. We're going to pick up on our next topic, and that's the trade deadline. It's four days away. Monday's coming, and it's approaching really quickly, and the Cardinals have some decisions to make, and I think over the last couple days, we've seen some rumors fly around, but I guess which team hasn't seen a room fly around? But we're going to pick up with uh, Josh's latest piece on a week out. So now we're four days away. Josh, what can you tell us about how your uh, piece is holding up and
2: what kind of uh, progress has it made? In the piece we talked about just a There's nothing concrete uh, in the piece. It's just some things that have been floating around. One of the things that we talked about was the Marlins, uh, because the team, the Cardinals have been connected to the Marlins so many times over the past couple weeks, and now they're saying the Marlins will not move anybody until the winter. That takes a lot off of the board, because at separate times, the Cardinals were looking at each of the outfielders for the Marlins. So if the Cardinals are going to add a bat and they're not going to wait until the winter, which is apparently when the Marlins are going to make that move, then they have to go look somewhere completely different, which is interesting because it doesn't seem like the market for a bat is that strong, especially after J.D. Martinez has already been on the move. Then you look at uh, the Nationals, who have been scouting this team, for days now who are rumored to be interested in Lance Lynn and Tommy Pham. There's so many different directions this team can go, but we just, I will say that I think the Cardinals organization is one of the best organizations at keeping things tight lipped. You do not hear much about what goes on in the front office when it comes to trades or signings until almost right before they, they announce them. So we're in a position now to wonder what's going to happen. Are they going to buy? Are they going to sell? Are they going to do a combination of both? We have no idea because we're getting nothing from anybody but rumors. So it's it's a really tough time to be a fan because when rumors get started, they can spread real fast. And unfortunately it just doesn't seem like we're going to get anything solid until potentially Monday.
1: And I like that you bring up the point of, the Cardinals being tight-lipped, you and I talked about this earlier today through texting, and we kind of came to the conclusion that we just really don't know who the Cardinals are going to pick up. It's too, There's too many rumors going around. There's not enough concrete evidence of anything truly happening. And that's kind of what I talked about this week in one of my pieces in stalling on a big bat. Gare Gould of the St. Louis Post Dispatch had, had released some information saying that the Cardinals might wait till the offseason to, to really go get themselves a bat. So that kind of fits the narrative of the Marlins maybe waiting till the winner to move a piece. Also, Jennifer Langosh, a Cardinals insider, said the exact same thing. And so did Bob Nightingale of USA Today. So it's interesting to see this dynamic working out right now over these next four days because that's why I thought these next four days was so important was because if the Cardinals showed that they could take advantage of this weekend, put themselves in a position, you know, close to first place, that the front office was going to be put to the test and said, okay, if the players are, you know, doing well, Maybe this is the opportunity for us to strike and get somebody. But everything I've read, every single piece of information that I've read on a big bat is we don't know. And so I'm getting to the point, and Trevor, I want you to comment on this. I'm getting to the point where I don't even think they're going to get anything at this trade deadline regarding offense. And I think it's because, the Cardinals are content with where they are now, and they might as well just wait till the end of the end of the uh, season because it may not cost as much in prospects than it would at the trade deadline. What do you think?
0: Well, I think that it would make sense that they stand pat as far as offense is concerned. Uh, when the rumor started going around about a, uh, an offensive piece, they're looking for a middle of the lineup bat because they needed something to fuel the offense since then it's the offense has picked up they've scored you know they've they've shown that they can score runs um a lot of that might have done with the retooling of the lineup um that is so so often credited and and that's fine if they want to wait cost less but that i wouldn't count them out completely because they still uh, could go get a bullpen on The, the bullpen market is the big market this year and it seems like if their bullpen is struggling, I think they have a real shot at this. They might go make a move to grab one of those bullpen arms.
1: Yeah, and that's something else that was said by Jennifer Langosh um, in her comments on the Kevin Wheeler show was that the Cardinals actually might, instead of retooling their lineup, was would be to go get a bullpen arm and fix some of that some some of those bullpen issues. And Josh and I actually talked about that. As well, um, but I, I want to get to that a little bit later, and I want to talk about Trevor's piece on Dakota Hudson. And if you missed it earlier tonight, there was Dakota Hudson was a late scratch from his start, and everybody was in
0: panic, including Trevor, right? A heart attack, I think, is is the medical term.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Trevor was in a heart attack mode. And Trevor, why don't you tell us a little bit about your piece and why why you were kind of
0: panicking about it? Well, my big thing with Dakota Hudson uh, through about one and a half seasons is showing that he is is going to be better than what everybody thinks. Uh, you read his profile on MLB Pipeline. He's projected as a middle of the rotation arm, um, but still projected to, to be a very solid major league pitcher. But the way he's been pitching, he came in in, in uh, short rookie ball because he he uh, pitched heavily in the College World Series his senior year, and then and then got drafted. And I think he gave up uh, one run in, in a very good amount of time. And then he comes in, uh, goes right to Double A this year, and has an ERA in the twos. So he's very much overperforming based on what everybody thinks he's going to be. And and it wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see him go. Um, just because I think that he's gonna be a phenomenal pitcher. He could honestly project out as that uh that true number one if they can hold on to him and I I really believe that. Um even though, you know, Reyes is still there. There's a lot of pitching or Luke Weaver, there's a lot of good pitching in the future, but I think Dakota Hudson's a very important piece for the rotation. I don't wanna see him. Play. Sure.
1: Now let me play a little bit of devil's advocate here. And Josh, I want you to comment on this. Trevor mentions, you know, overperforming. Isn't that something to be kind of worried about?
2: I don't I don't know that it's that it's even overperforming to an extent because when you think about it, there have been plenty of guys who have come in and had expectations and beat those expectations. These are all coming off scouting reports that can be wrong. This might be who he is. It might not be overperforming. This might just be who this guy is, which makes things more exciting. And I want to agree with Trevor a lot here because I remember the night that he got drafted. When he was still on the board, I was screaming at the TV to take him because an, an SEC pitcher with that kind of success is something you don't just keep let slide like that. There was a lot of promise with him. I was really excited that we got him. But on the other hand, Trevor mentioned it a little bit. We're in a position right now and I that I believe is time to make some deals. And I think that needs to include some outfielders and some pitchers. Because when you look at the rotation right now, Lance Lynn looks to be on his way out at the end of the year, and Wainwright is aging. Who knows how much longer he has. So that leaves three guys in the rotation. But then you have Alex Reyes, Luke Weaver, Jack Flaherty, uh, and, and they're going to add Dakota Hudson into that. That's a lot of guys for those spots. And I know you don't want to get rid of all of them and have a minimal amount. But even when you look lower than that, there's some there's Junior Junior Fernandez, Sandy Alcantara. This, there's a lot of pitching in in this in minor league system, and I think that this is the first time in a while that this team is set up to potentially make a big move or two because they're so heavy with outfielders and pitchers that could be effective at the major league level. If you told me right now we were going to trade an outfielder, I wouldn't be worried about it because I know we have a next man up. If you told me we were going to trade a prospect pitcher, I would not be worried about it because I know we have other options. I don't want to put all our, all our eggs into a one basket with a guy like Dakota Hudson when I know that there are guys like Reyes, Weaver, and Flaherty right there as well.
1: Sure, and you and you bring up an interesting point in dealing prospects because today uh, I actually, you know, posed a question to Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch when the uh, news about Lynn and and being offered a qualifying uh, off, or a qualifying offer came about, and I said, well, if the Cardinals were serious about offering him a qualified qualifying offer why what is holding the cardinals back from getting a a bat then if they're serious about holding on to lynn shouldn't they be willing to deal some of those pitching prospects in order to get that bat trevor
0: uh i would think so and i I, again the, the pitching and outfield prospects are heavy um I've talked forever about Harrison Bader being the biggest trade chip that the Cardinals have. Um, but, you know, if they want that big bat, they're obviously going to have to give up a uh, pitcher, especially if they're going to trade to the Marlins because the Marlins are coming and they're scouting the young pitchers. Um, there is enough pitching prospects to be okay with it. I'd I prefer it not, and that's who the Marlins are interested in but i think that eventually they will end up giving one up because they're they're almost going to have to if they need that uh that bat for the middle of the lineup.
1: Right. And 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 the way i see it is is if let's take Ken Rosenthal's word for it and say the cardinals aren't really interested in offering Lance Lynn a qualifying offer even though that would be the most idiotic thing i think i've ever heard of in St. Louis Cardinals baseball besides Matt Adams being in left field. If they're not going to do that, why not trade him? Why would they hold on to him at that point,
2: Josh? No, if they don't, if they do not trade Lance Lynn and then do not offer him a qualifying offer, I will have no no explanation because then you're literally yeah. just letting a guy walk for no value. Mm-hmm. If they do not trade him, this is, I will be, I'll be shocked. And I keep, you see Lance Lynn and I don't know if that's just him protecting himself. He's talking about it constantly. Um, But why not trade Lance Lynn? If you're, if you're not going to have no intentions of even talking to him about returning or a qualifying offer, you're going to get probably even better than you're going to get with, with the new CBA and, Get in qualifying offers, it's not as good as it used to be. So I don't see why you don't trade him. His value is not going to be higher than it is right now. He's aging, and you're not going to resign him. You have other guys you, that can fill in right now. It, it, when Wainwright comes off the DL, Luke Weaver can stay with the team. And then you just move forward with whatever prospects you get in return because – I have a feeling somebody's going to get desperate come Monday. Someone's going to miss out on Sonny Gray. Apparently the Rangers are shopping around Darvish. Someone's going to miss on him, and they're going to know they need to make a move. And the Cardinals are going to be sitting there with one of the most consistent pitchers over the last couple years. And I got to think that someone's going to make a decent offer. Yeah, and, and
1: Darvish, actually, it's been reported that they are going to trade him before the deadline, even though the club hasn't confirmed it. But that's what the reports are saying. And it would be interesting to see where he goes. I think the favorite probably would be Los Angeles, uh, the Dodgers. Um, but that would mean, you know, the Yankees would still be in on Sonny Gray. I think, Trevor, you could probably speak to this. Are are the Brewers still on Sonny Gray?
0: Uh, they're essentially out the uh, Oakland A's. Pretty much are only willing to trade him if they give up Lewis Brinson, who's their top prospects, and they, they aren't willing to do that. So there,
1: there you have it. So he's not really going to go to to the Brewers then. So uh, you know, the the Nationals might want Lance Lynn. I mean, that's certainly an op, an option. But it, it's going to be interesting to see where this tread trade deadline takes us. And I really quickly want to cover the bullpen. And I just want to ask this simple question to you both. Is it more likely that the Cardinals six the bullpen at the deadline or in the off season? And if they do do it at the deadline, who is it? Trevor, let's start with
0: you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say deadline. There's way too many pitchers out there right now uh, that can help out in the bullpen. You talk about guys, uh, who are out there? Justin Wilson is still out there. Who, who I'm sure you all know, I'm high on. Um, Addison Reed is still out there, and those are just, I think those are probably the two of the bigger names that are out there. But there's definitely more. Um, the White Sox have essentially depleted their entire their entire bullpen, which is good because they they tend to take hauls from teams. But um, I would not be surprised, and even if it's not to the Cardinals specifically, the Detroit Tigers have been very silent since trading J.D. Martinez for a team who was big on sell, sell, sell they've been all rumors. So I would expect Justin Wilson to be moved here in the next couple of days. Um, and I think that the Cardinals should be in on that, even if it isn't rumored. Um, I think Wilson's going to, would be a great help. They definitely need a closer. So, um, he could kind of shore up the back end of that bullpen. Uh, and the Tigers are probably desperate because they just lost, uh, three in a row to Kansas city, including last night that ended with a, a brawl and an outfielder pitching. So, um, they they might be getting kind of desperate to just rebuild and rebuild and make moves because the fans are getting uneasy. Um, so I think Justin Wilson needs to be a huge name that they look at.
2: Josh, what do you think? I agree that um, they make a move at the deadline for a bullpen piece, but I don't think they get their closer then. I think that they make a little bit more subtle move, but also a, an important move. I think they go out and add Brad Brock from the Orioles. The Orioles are not in any position to win, and they desperately need starting pitching. Now, I Bob Nightingale, I believe, wrote about it, and he said that he could see the Cardinals offering Tyler Lyons for Brad Brock. I don't know. <laughs> if, if I'm the Orioles, that's not something that interests me, but I think I'm too close <laughs> to Tyler better. Lyons. Um, but I think that, that the, the guy is a perfect addition. He's got a 2.7 ERA this year, a .946 whip, and he's uh, not a free agent till the after next year. So you have him co- going forward and he's not just a rental. I think that that would be a very solid addition to what is essentially the worst part of this team.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw one more, one more name out there and and this will kind of wrap up our, our tread deadline, a trade deadline uh, talk. And that's, Somebody that Josh and I both kind of agree on is Roberto Osuna. Now, the Cardinals have been linked to Josh Donaldson as well. Is there any way that the Cardinals could potentially land both Osuna and Josh Donaldson this trade deadline?
0: Oh, wow. Um, that is Yeah, I know. they, They have the prospects, too. I would absolutely think that they could. Um, and you know if they're willing to to deal Lance Lynn or or a major league talent that'll help out. But do you want to give up what it would take to get those guys? Is the question. Um, obviously, Josh Donaldson's one of the better hitters in baseball. Roberto Osuna is great in the back end of the bullpen. So there's going to be some value there. Um, and it, it, with a trade like that you're definitely going to see, I mean, you're definitely going to see somebody like Harrison Bader, possibly Luke Weaver go. And that's, you know, it's hard to watch those guys uh, depart because those are uh, some of the best prospects that the Cardinals have. So it's, it's possible. um, Based on, based on the farm system, I don't think it's probable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would have to say the exact same thing. It's possible, not probable, Everything that I've seen so far has said that Toronto intends to compete next year. They're not doing that without Donaldson and Osuna. So if they do make those moves, that's going to be a change of the guard for them. And they're going to have to be ready to go to rebuild. And maybe they should because they're not exactly a young team, but if they have intentions of competing in the AL East next season, you're not going to see Osuna and Donaldson on the move.
1: And I'll counter that by saying then I wouldn't understand why the Blue Jays are willing to move Francisco Liriano to the Royals. But I digress.
2: Because he's not good.
1: (laughs) That remains to be seen, though. Change of scenery might do him some good. But let's take a quick break here, and we'll move on to the trade deadline final predictions. And we'll actually see if anything happens. Just stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast. My name is Tito Rivera, and I'm joined by Josh McDonald and Trevor Huth. And we just wrapped up a tread deadline four days away, what we think might happen. And now we're going to move on to what we are predicting. And I'm going to start with Trevor. And Trevor, I want you to answer this question mm-hmm and give me your reasons why will the cardinals get something done this trade deadline yes no or maybe they stay pat and why
0: well i think that they will um they are in a place where they can compete so and you know what um you mentioned how important this weekend is, and I think it is going into Monday. Uh, if they're still in a place where they can compete, they're going to have to make a move to strengthen the bullpen and, and become more confident uh, with the guys you're bringing in after the starters. Uh, the other part about that is, if they're in a place to compete, I don't see why they would trade away Lance Lynn like you guys were, were discussing earlier in the podcast. Because then you're you're letting a or you're, you're Essentially, taking one of your better starters out of the rotation. So, um, I think that if a move is going to be made, you're going to see some of the pro- uh, some of the prospects go, so you can get a back end of the rotation guy to shore up the bullpen and uh, make a stretch run more possible. Fair
1: enough. All right, Josh, what do you say? Will anything
2: actually get done?
1: Yes, no, stay pat, and why?
2: I'm predicting two moves happen before the deadline one to bring in a bullpen piece, and one will move Major League talent off of this roster. I just don't know who that's going to be.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for not elaborating this. I'm going to go ahead and and give you guys my... Yeah, thank yeah. So bold. I'm going to give you guys my predictions here, and you might be surprised. I think that... Tommy Pham is going to be sold, and I'm not quite sure to who, but I would like to say potentially either the Indians or the Nationals. They both have scouted him recently. Uh, the Nationals more, more recent than the Indians, I think. The Nationals don't really have anything in their farm system uh, that really – speaks out to me, especially after they went out and, you know, traded for uh, Adam Eaton. But, you know, Trevor Rosenthal is actually linked with Tommy Pham to the Nationals as well. And so I'm actually going to say that the Nationals do trade for both Tommy Pham and Trevor Rosenthal. And Rosenthal is actually going to end up being the closer for the Nationals and I would never have guessed that. The other thing I think is going to happen is that Randall Grichik is also going to get traded. And I think Randall Gritchick is going to go to the Detroit Tigers and the Cardinals will receive Justin Wilson in return. A little bold, but
2: I would love to hear you guys' comments on that. Well, when it comes Makes- to the Nationals, I, um, I agree that their, uh, their prospects – have, have uh, taken quite a hit after making their moves that they made in in the offseason last year and unfortunately their most interesting prospects are outfielders which is not exactly a need for this team. <laughs> so that makes them a little bit tougher to deal with, especially if, if uh, they really are interested in, in Sam and Rosenthal. I'm not looking for us to get a handful of guys that might be good we're giving up production I would like to get a little bit more assurance but the trade market thus far has been less than impressive on returns so it remains to be seen hopefully you can make the Nationals uh, give you a decent player but it just depends how desperate they are and For Justin Wilson and Randall Grichuk, I just don't know that that gets it done, unfortunately. I think we have to include something else in there. It might not be a lot, but I think that something else would have to go to the Tigers in return.
1: That was me just more going for your your heart there, so... That's because
2: you're a bad person.
0: No, I know. (laughs) I I think that both of those things are really interesting. Um. We talk about the depletion of the Nationals' uh, farm system with their trade, but also the Indians, um, they lost a, lot, a, a decent amount of prospects to get Andrew Miller. So their farm system is not where it used to be either. So, either way, you'd think you'd be getting some form of uh, probably major league ready talent for FAM. Um, and then if Rosenthal bunched in uh, with him to the Nationals, I don't think Rosenthal becomes the closer. I think that they might stick with. Uh, with one of their new additions uh, to close out games. so But, but still an interesting idea. Um, I can speak a little more to the Tigers and the um, Randall Gritchick deal, even if you were just making that to uh, to bug Josh. <laughs> it's a lot more possible than I, I think would be um, imagined at first. You think about they, uh, they just gave away J.D. Martinez. And they right now are starting Justin Epton in the outfield. Uh Mikey Motthook is playing center and Alex Presley and right. So they really don't have they they like those guys but but they're they're not young. So they don't really have somebody they can have for, for an extended period of time. I think Motthook and Presley are both are both uh twenty eight and kinda of the best that they're gonna be. Gritchick is a better hitter than both of them. So I would think that uh it is possible that desperate to make a move that they would consider giving Wilson up for Grichik.
1: I didn't think it was a bad move either. And, and that's, and I kind of went your route with it, Trevor, and in, in saying that, well, they just gave up JD Martinez. So why not see what you can get for one of your outfielders? And, and they're not going to take Tommy Pham because he's too old. and So Randall Grichik is, really only one. And with that being said, that means that neither Magner, Sierra, or Harrison Bader are worth Justin Wilson. And and I'll repeat that. They're not. So Gritchick is the really only logical outcome or kind of thinking there. And so I, I think it makes sense for the Cardinals. It, it, Josh is probably right. It might take a little bit more to get done because you're the one with or the Tigers are the one with the piece, not the Cardinals. So the Tigers are probably up the ante a little bit. Um, and I want to go back to something that Josh mentioned about the, the Nationals' prospects. They do have a shortstop prospect in Carter, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Kiboom Ke- who is a shortstop, and he's, a rate, he's rated 50 overall. He's got a hit, hit rating of 55, power of 50, run of 50, arm of 55, and fielding of 50. So that's not that's not terrible. And if you look at some of the other names associated with uh, the Cardinals and potential moves, we talked to, or we you know we've been hearing the name of Jorge Mateo from the New York Yankees. He's o50 overall as well. So you know there's not there's not too much of a difference there. I think Jorge Mateo is probably a little bit better because he has a run of 80 and an arm of 60, but Neither of those two prospects are are really that much far not not too far from each other. So I could really realistically see the Cardinals saying, "Hey, give us give us Carter Keyboom for uh, uh, Tommy Pham, maybe, or just Tommy Pham."
2: I actually do want to throw one more thing in here. Um, the New York New York Daily dot com was discussing what the Yankees plan to do when it comes to their starting pitching. And they did mention Lance Lynn as an option if the Yankees miss out on uh, Sonny Gray. Now what gets interesting is where they say that they believe and then I'm going to quote it. The, ex, the executive I spoke to suggested the Yankees might be able to expand a deal for Lynn to include someone like the like Cardinals minor league pitcher Jack Flaherty, a right-handed promoted to AAA last month who is ranked at number 53 on Baseball America's midseason top 100 prospect list. Now, what gets interesting is that would the Yankees give up Floreal and Mateo in a package for Lynn and Flaherty? Getting those two players would be big for the Cardinals' farm system because it gets you, especially Mateo, a player that could be very useful. But I, the one thing that bothers me about that is I don't think that Jack Flaherty is the guy that we should be moving in that situation. Given this is all completely up in the air, it might not actually happen, that's an interesting deal
0: to me. Uh, for me, I don't think that the Yankees are going to be uh... – I think that's hard to get from the Yankees because you talk about their farm system right now. Um, they just traded Blake Rutherford to the, to the White Sox, and uh, they have another prospect who they were hoping to bring up this year that is ac- that actually uh, just had Tommy John surgery. Their uh, shortstop, Glaber Torres. So I don't. I think they might be a little more fragile with their farm system um, moving forward. I know they have a lot of good young parts that are up right now, but it's, I find it hard to believe they would give up a couple of good prospects like that. Um, The one team that I think uh, that that Lance Lynn could go to that hasn't been mentioned yet, I think it's been mentioned in the past and past podcasts, is the Kansas City Royals. Um, They recently made a move that says that they're going to try to make a push in the AL Central, which is weak. They could use an extra pitcher. Um, They could use a solid starting pitcher. Their rotation isn't the greatest. And then uh, they just bolstered their bullpen with their trade with the Padres. So I think that if Lynn gets moved, which I don't think he will, I'm on that side of things, um, I think the the Kansas City Royals might come calling as well. I'm going to
1: nix that Royals move real quick because I'll tell you what. I, I you now living out here in Kansas City, the only thing I can really listen to is is uh, the Royals baseball network, and Lance Wynn isn't being man- mentioned at all. And so I'm not sure that Lance Lynn is a is a viable target for them. And I don't think the Cardinals would actually do that either, because the Kansas City Royals don't have anything in their farm system. They gave that all up to get Johnny Cueto, and obviously for good reason, because they ended up winning a World Series for it. But they don't have anything. Their best prospect is Raul Mondesi Jr., and he was he started out the year in major in the major leagues, but really wasn't anything great. And the Cardinals, and he's a second base prospect, so the Cardinals don't need that. He's not a shortstop. So I, I just don't see the Royals being a realistic place for Lance Lynn. Now, Houston, though, that's a different story. Maybe that's a place where they go out and get Lance Lynn. And wouldn't that be something considering the history between the Houston Astros and the Cardinals over the last year or two?
0: That'd be great. I mean, I, it probably happen over the weekend and, and – uh... Houston's in Detroit this weekend, so I'd possibly, you know, maybe get to see Lance Lynn pitch if that happened. And they have a good farm system. Um, so, you know, you've seen a few of them up in the big leagues at some point in time. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see what that kind of haul would look like if they wanted Lance Lynn. But it seems like the Astros have been targeting the bigger names um, as far as the starting pitching market, which is, you know, they're, I think Sonny Gray, they were in heavy, heavy talks for Justin Verlander at one point. Um, so it seems like they want a bigger name like that, and Lance Lynn might not get a draw that they want.
1: Josh, anything you want to add to that last comment?
2: Yeah, I there's there's places for Lance Lynn to go. Um, I think that I agree the Astros would be interesting, but at the same time, they're dominated by pitching and outfield prospects as well. So. It's, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. If the Astros don't go for it, if the Rockies don't go for it, the Nationals, Yankees, there's a lot of options if they decide to move him. So I think they could find a way to do it. I just don't want them to give him up for nothing. Because as Trevor said earlier, he's one of our better pitchers right now, if not probably our best right now. So it's, it's hard to just give him up for a pittance, but potentially you'd be doing that at the end of the year. So, Thankfully, I'm not the gm because there things would be a lot different, and people would be a, will probably be a lot more angry.
1: All righty, so let's move on to our final topic. We've got five minutes left here in the show, and i wanna I want end on the rookies. We talked about them in the uh, first portion of the show, uh, mainly, you know, the four main ones that have come up, you know, Paul DeJong, Magnair Sierra, Harrison Bader, and Carson Kelly. And I want to ask this question to you guys because I think it's actually really important and kind of goes along with a piece written by one of our writers, Matt, in regards to the 2017. Is, is the rise in prospects a changing of the guard? In St. Louis, Josh? Uh,
2: to an extent I think it 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 is because you see you saw this not too long ago where the team where Memphis was just shuttling guys up to us and then then the farm system took a hit because everybody was in the majors. Um and unfortunately we're at a position where we have too much talent in the majors and in AAA, we essentially have two full teams right now. Um, so it's it's tough, but I don't know that I would call it a full changing guard because you know that Fowler, Carpenter, probably Piscotty, Molina, these guys aren't going anywhere, and they're the core of the team. But it's really nice to see young guys getting involved right now. It's nice to see that we have that again.
0: Trevor, what do you think? I think it kind of is, I mean – you talk about where we thought this team was going to be at the beginning of the year. Um, and it was with, you know, with Fowler and, and Carpenter, um, Molina and they, uh, especially, you know, Ledmus Diaz, it wasn't exactly, or who's, who got sent down. Um, now they're calling up these, these young guys and the team's doing better than it did, uh, to start the year. So I would say it kind of is a little bit, I think they're, um, a lot of young guys that are are proving that they should be at the major league level, whether it'll, it'll keep up or not um, through next year. And and following years remains to be seen, but we're seeing this type of talent come up and it's, it's young guys. There's still plenty that that can come up behind. I mean, we haven't even mentioned, I don't think the, uh, the new acquisition of of, uh, Tyler O'Neill from the Mariners, he grades out with huge power. So you, you would almost, you'd probably eventually see him this year, um, if not next year, get a chance to see what he can do at the major league level. So I think that there, because of all the talent that's coming, coming up, you'd almost have to say it is because the team's performing better than what uh, the team did to start the year.
1: Fair enough. And, guys, we have about a minute left, and um, I'll kind of say that the reason I ask this is because, when Harrison Bader gets a standing ovation for just sprinting down the baseline and trying to beat out a ground ball, that means that there's some kind of resentment for this team. And and granted, justifiably so because of the way they've played. But I think there is a changing of the guard and maybe that's and maybe that's where we're coming down to. So guys, we've got about thirty seconds left. I'm gonna say thank you to both of you for a great show. And if you're listening to us, thank you. Make sure you go to redbirdgrants.com and check us out. Look at our articles. Comment on them if you want to. We'll promise we'll comment back. And I just want to say, go Cards. Have a good night.